Oh, hi, everybody. Ezra Levant here. Great to see you for another week. It's June 28th. I um, do this live stream every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 12 noon. And on Tuesdays and Thursdays, my colleagues David Menzies and Sheila Gunn-Reed do. So we got you covered every day of the week. This morning, Sheila, as well as our Calgary reporter, uh, Adam Soser, on a bunch of important cases, including Arthur Pavlovsky, the Calgary pastor who was arrested in a SWAT team takedown in the middle of a highway made to kneel on the street, cars whizzing by, extremely dangerous, as if he was like some drug kingpin or terrorist or something. In fact, he was just a Christian pastor slowly driving home from church. They could have arrested him at the church, at his home, but they wanted that shock and awe, and maybe they wanted him killed too. Why would they extract him from his vehicle, a huge team of heavily armed cops, Take him right to the, if you can pull up that B-roll, it's just shocking B-roll. So, so he's just a Christian pastor, right? He's, he's not wanted for any crimes whatsoever. These public health orders are not even crimes. They're not even punishable. They're, they're, like, a, they're like a parking ticket. You don't go to jail for them. Um, if you want to get this guy, you know where he is. But they literally pull him over, make him kneel as cars are speeding by, why, why is why do they do that? It's raining, so it's slippery. Cars are whizzing by. Why is he in the middle of the street? He didn't get to the middle of the street. They didn't find him walking on the street. They pulled him over in his car. Okay, they extracted him from his car. Again, I don't know why. He was going to get out of his car when he got home. And why did they... Okay, you want to pull him out of his car. Again, bizarre. But why, why did you pull him into the middle of the road instead of to the side of the road, off the road? Why are you doing this other than for humiliation, for shock and awe? How many police, and there's his brother there, David, finally they stopped the road. So these are two Christian pastors. Are they charged with murder? Are they charged with drug dealing? No, they're charged with keeping the church open as if it was some Walmart. No, no, no. Only the Walmarts get to stay open, boys. Only the Walmarts, the cannabis stores, the liquor stores, only those get to stay open. The Costco's. How many police vehicles were involved here? I guess that's the thing. When you've got all these vehicles, when you've got the SWAT team, um, when you got 20, 30 guys... You want to use them. You don't want to just knock on his door, knock, knock. Hi, uh, Pastor Pavlovsky, I'm here to arrest you. Please come with me now. Okay. I mean, you're sending 20, 30 cops, 10 vehicles. You want to turn on the flashers. You want to use the siren. You want to make some noise. And you want to have a dramatic SWAT team style takedown because otherwise you look sort of stupid. I, I say again, Toronto police are the most violent in Canada. Montreal's police are the most corrupt in Canada. Aylmer's police are the stupidest in Canada. And Calgary's police are the meanest bullies in Canada. They could have had him killed there. Anyway, so they arrested him. He was in prison for two days awaiting bail. And we crowdfunded an excellent lawyer. Actually, three lawyers were involved. Sarah Miller was the main lawyer, um, senior partner Robert Hawks. And there was a third lawyer, uh, a criminal lawyer who was on the file. And um, we got him out after two days. And there was a hearing 
And this morning, as in any moment now, we'll know if Arthur Pavlovsky is convicted of, it's not a crime, let me just be crystal clear on that. He's not charged with a crime, but he was in prison nonetheless, and he's lucky to have only been jailed for two days, as opposed to the 35 days uh, of hard time that a pastor in Edmonton. I'm hearing in my ear that there's some movement in the Tim Stephen case as well, and it's not looking good. I'm going to Sheila Gunn-Reed's Twitter feed. Sheila is uh, covering at least one of the court proceedings in real time. Um, there's the Arthur Pavlovsky case, and then there's the case of Pastor Stevens. Justin Adam, I'm just reading Sheila's Twitter feed. Justice Adam Germain has been tasked with hearing a series of cases against pastors and business owners. What will happen this morning is indicative of what's going to happen with other cases. And then Sheila says, after Art receives his decision, Chris Scott of the Whistlestop will receive his decision. We're defending both of those men. While court sorts some procedural things out, I'm hearing some movement is happening in the pastor Tim Stevens case, and it doesn't sound good. Adam Sos and I will work to confirm as quickly as we can. So that is happening live in real time. It's 12.05 Eastern time. These cases are being heard in mountain time, which is two hours um, west of us. So it's 10.05. So let's keep our eye peeled on that. We'll, we'll give people updates as they come. But um, I find it bizarre and un-Canadian and illiberal and contrary to our Canadian and Commonwealth traditions to arrest pastors, make them kneel in the street, have cars whiz by them and have 20 heavily armed cops arrest them. But that's just me. It's not just me, though. Um, I see that a senator in the United States named Josh Hawley is very concerned about it. More than any Canadian senator, there are, there are over 100 Senate seats. I'm not sure how many are full. Let's say there's 90 senators. For all I know, there's a dozen vacancies. Not that anyone would know. How would you notice? Um, have you heard any senator... And the thing is, the reason I mentioned senators is because they're not subject to the same political um, abuse as an elected MP. If you're an MP, you're at the whim of your party leader because the party leader can um, ban you from running again. The party leader is the one that will sign or not sign your, your nomination papers. So I, I can understand why we have uh, 338 cowardly MPs. I maybe should put Derek Sloan in an exception because I think he, him and him, he alone, I think, actually stood by these uh, pastors. But the other 337 of them are cowards. And what's the excuse of the Senate in Canada? They're not up for re-election. They can't be turfed out of, you know, their seat by Justin Trudeau or Aaron O'Toole. Why are they silent? Why have the MLAs at the provincial level been silent? Don't you think that's a problem? I think it's deeply um, revealing that not a single Canadian politician of any high height, of any stature, of any authority has spoken out about these arrests and imprisonments. I'll, I'll accept Derek Sloan out of that statement, but he's an independent MP who will 
I don't think I don't think he's running again this fall. So, you know, he's he is an independent MP. That's it. Where why why no leader of the opposition? Why no shadow cabinet minister? Why no backbencher in the government? Do we have Josh Hawley's letter? Let's take a look at that letter. I think it's from Missouri, if I'm remembering correctly. Senator Hawley, this is from his website, Senator Hawley calls on U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom to consider adding Canada to watch list. Today, U.S. Senator uh, Josh Hawley, Republican from Missouri, sent a letter to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom urging the commission to consider adding Canada to its watch list in response to the country's crackdown on religious freedom. In the letter, Senator Hawley cites recent instances of Canadian pastors being arrested and jailed for holding worship services that do not comply with the strict COVID-19 restrictions. I am troubled that our Canadian neighbors are effectively being forced to gather in secret, undisclosed locations to exercise their basic freedom to worship, Senator Hawley writes. Frankly, I would expect this sort of religious crackdown in communist China, not in a prominent Western nation like Canada. Canadian authorities' arrest of faith leaders and seizure of church property, among other enforcement actions, appeal to, appear to constitute systematic, ongoing, and egregious violations of religious freedom. That's a, that's a good point, and you can see the full letter right below. He's writing to the Commission on International Religious Freedom. I won't read the whole thing. Dear Chair, um, what's the name there? Manza? Am I saying that right? Manza? Yeah, Chair Nadine Manza. One of the most fundamental human rights is the freedom to practice one's faith according to the dictates of one's conscience. Last year, I urged the Department of Justice to bring federal, to bring federal lawsuits to uphold the rights of houses of worship burdened by unjust restrictions. Now I am writing to express my deep concern that this freedom is in peril across our nation's northern border. In recent months, there have been numerous instances of Canadian pastors being arrested and jailed for holding worship services that do not comply with COVID-19 restrictions. On June 14, Pastor Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, who was previously arrested in May, was arrested again at home in front of his wife and children. Media outlets captured heartbreaking video of the pastor's children sobbing as they held their father's hand through the barred window of a police car. Yeah, that media outlet was called Rebel News. Pastor Stevens' alleged violation was holding an outdoor worship service in a park, which was apparently discovered by a police helicopter flying overhead. Other Canadian pastors, such as Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church in Spruce Grove, have similarly faced arrests and enforcement actions. Authorities reportedly seized and fenced off the Grace Life Church building in April, which sparked a protest of hundreds of people in opposition to the move. I am troubled that our Canadian neighbors are effectively being forced to gather in secret, undisclosed locations to exercise their basic freedom to worship. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms states that everyone has the following fundamental freedoms, which include freedom of conscience and religion. The arrests and actions taken to enforce overly burdensome and unjustified orders, however, do not seem to live up to this praiseworthy statement. Frankly, I would expect this sort of religious crackdown in communist China, not a prominent Western nation like Canada. 
Canada's authorities' arrest of faith leaders and seizure of church property, among other enforcement actions, appear to constitute systematic, ongoing, and egregious violations of religious freedom. I urge the Commission on International Religious Freedom to take whatever action is necessary to address and rectify the situation and consider adding Canada to the Commission's watch list. Thank you for your attention. Josh Hawley, United States Senator. And who's it copied to? Scroll down just one more inch. The Honorable Kristen Hillman, Ambassador of Canada to the United States. I'm glad he copied it to her. You should also copy it to the Premier of Alberta and the Justice Minister of Alberta. Um, I should tell you that I have been um, invited uh, to Congress to meet with a group of uh, congressmen on the subject, and we're certainly uh, I'm interested in doing that. We're working to schedule that. And I've also received um, an inquiry from another member of uh, a state legislature, because an, an entire state legislature is looking to debate a motion on Canada's misconduct. So people are obviously following rebel news even outside our own borders. And right there, what Senator Hawley did, the congressman who contacted me to go to the House of Representatives from Washington, and this other state legislature that I don't want to identify right now, that's three senior groups of legislators. I say again, there's not even one Canadian senior politician, even the senators who can afford to be brave because they can't be fired. Now let's switch back to Sheila's tweets, see if there's news. Um, uh, Chad Williamson chimes in to say he has additional submissions to make before the Jermaine issues his ruling, says the Alberta health side is sidestepping fundamental justice by getting it procedurally flawed ex parte order against client Chris Scott. Okay, so that's a little snippet. And um, I'm just clicking refresh. Um, so it looks like Sheila is in the Chris Scott hearing right now. I won't get in, into the minutiae there. I'll wait for there to be some news. Um, so I think it's interesting that um, foreign political leaders care more about our freedom in Canada than our own Canadian leaders do. I think that's sad. But we are famous. Uh, here's Ron DeSantis, the most consequential governor in America right now. And um, I would say a leading candidate for the 2024 Republican nomination for president. Ron DeSantis, just as a throwaway line, using Canada as a punchline, for what could have happened had they made the wrong decisions. Take a look. You see it in a number of different ways. Obviously, we were the leading state fighting against coronavirus lockdowns. Uh, we had kids in school in person for the entire school year. I believe had Florida not done that, you would not see the other states to have followed Canada, for example, still locked down. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of these bureaucrats wanted to see in the United States. And we made sure uh, that we led in a different direction. Yeah, I mean... It's just taken for granted that we are the worst lockdown country in the world. Um, the BBC, the state broadcaster of the UK, says that the city I'm in, Toronto, is the most locked down large city in the world. And I believe it's true. Now, I also see bad news um, in Israel, 
where almost everyone's been given the vax, but now they're having another surge or something and they're having more mask mandates and more lockdowns being floated. Same in New Zealand. Um, I see Quebec has the lowest number of cases in the year. 10 months to be precise. So the pandemic's over, but statistically, I mean, if the number is so low, and I don't know if you saw, but there were thousands, tens of thousands of Quebecers in the streets for the Montreal Canadiens hockey team. So how are you going to ratchet up the fear? Cases are at a, at a low. Everyone's living life normally. It's lovely summertime. So how do you maintain that sense of panic? Well, the government becomes more and more extreme, and they wouldn't do that if they didn't have a reason. The government wouldn't say it's an emergency if it wasn't. Trust the science. Um, there's some bad news out of Quebec. Uh, do we have... I see we say kids must be vaccinated for extracurricular activities. Do, we, do you have uh, any viz for that? Can we, can we, I think Viva Fry from Montreal, Montreal law blogger, YouTuber rather, um, if you go to his Twitter feed, V-I-V-A-F-R-E-I, um, he, yeah, can we zoom in here? So scroll up a bit, but okay, yeah, zoom in is fine. Um, can you pump that up any bigger? Is that possible? So um, he's my source of information here, and he has the primary documents. I'll read them to you. Uh, sounds like vaccines are being made mandatory for children, even though, as we talked about at some length last week, the World Health Organization does not support that point of view. Look at this by electronic mail from Quebec. Students aged 12 to 17. Over the past two weeks, a large-scale vaccination campaign was conducted in schools and vaccination centers to provide a first dose of vaccine to adolescents 12 and over. Despite this campaign, the goal was not met. Less than 75% of these young people got a first dose of vaccine. To ensure a safe return to school in September, this goal must be met. Depending on the epidemiological situation, 75% of teenagers must have received both doses of the COVID-19 vaccine before we can ease hygiene measures, such as wearing masks and isolation. Therefore, the two, this two-dose condition must be met to ensure activities, such as extracurricular and sports activities, can return to normal in schools. Most importantly, it is key to avoiding a possible fourth wave in the fall. And I don't know what must means. And then it says how to, how to do it. Scroll to the next page if you would. So I don't know what must means. Is that an exhortation or is that a command? Is that, come on guys, you really must. Vaccination is the best way to protect your children and your loved ones and to ensure a normal return to school in the fall. Signed, Director of Public Health, Mylène Drouin, MD. So I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if that means mandatory for everyone. It's basically the government holding kids hostage 
and saying if 75% of you don't take two doses of this experimental med that has specific health problems for young people, we're not opening schools, we're not getting rid of masks, we're not having extracurriculars. So I don't think it's quite ordering teenagers to be injected, but it's pretty close. I think it's a disaster. And if cases are plummeting and illnesses are plummeting and deaths are, I don't even, let's go and find out. COVID-19 stats, Canada. Let's find out, like, is, is it even a thing anymore? I'm going to go to the um, COVID-19 page for, for Canada. You know the one we always look at, Justin? The one that has all the provinces on it? Oh, you know what? I'll take a, a break from this little line because I hear in my ear that um, the judge is in the middle of ruling. I'm hearing this right now. Um, so maybe I'll stay, I'll stay focused on that. But uh, by the way, I did go to um, that, yeah, perfect. And if you toggle, count of deaths in the last seven days. So all of Quebec, which has, I forget the population of Quebec. I don't want to guess, 8.6 million. 8.6 million people, and in the last week, 11 have died from coronavirus, 11. Of course, the average age is over 80. Average, one of them had m massive comorbidities, two, three, four underlying conditions. So out of eight and a half million people, one or two are dying every day. And you're saying to the young people of that province, you who are the least likely to be affected by the virus, if you don't take this experimental med, you're not allowed to go to school without a mask or have extracurriculars. By the way, on that same map, in the last week, like it's incredible, BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, all the Atlantic provinces, all the far north, single digits. Ontario has a higher number, frankly makes me dubious, makes me skeptical of their methodology. I don't trust anything from the Doug Ford government, but um, you gotta admit, the deaths in the last seven days, every single province and territory, single digits, except for Quebec, which is 11, in a week. And Ontario, which is 107. And again, I'm not, I, don't, I don't even believe that, to be honest. Um, I'm scrolling down. I'm looking at the, um, yeah, the, the graphs for most provinces are a completely flat line. Like it's just not even... It's just not even a thing anymore. That's why they're getting more and more crazy. We got to keep those pharmaceutical companies happy. happy. Um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but one of the worst health ministers in the world was a Brit uh, named Matt Hancock. Just creepy guy, weird guy. Like there's something wrong with that, with that lad. Personal space issues, weirdness issues. Um, he was the face, the public face for the lockdowns in the UK. 
he would go on TV, tearful sometimes, talking about how important it was to lock down. It turns out he was breaking all the lockdown rules, and he hired his mistress and would uh, have intimate relations with her at work. And um, someone captured that on, yeah, Hancock's affair with aid. So that picture of Matt Hancock, health secretaries fling during COVID. He hired Gina as top advisor, snogs in office, cheats on wife. Yeah, his wife of many years, the mother of his three kids, um, just a disgraceful man. Uh, equally disgraceful as Boris Johnson, who didn't fire him. Things were so brutal, though, that he resigned a day later. Just a total mess. Um, what was so gross about Matt Hancock, who's one of the worst politicians in the free world, is that when he announced he was resigning at first, he said, or when he, when he was caught at first and didn't resign, he didn't mention his betrayal of his wife or kids. He apologized for breaching the guidelines. The problem isn't that you breach the guidelines, mate. Everyone in the United Kingdom breaches the guidelines because the guidelines are so stupid. No one believes it anymore. If you think that COVID deaths are low in Canada, they're even lower proportionally in the UK. There are some days when the death count in the entire United Kingdom, 68 million people. In fact, I think it's single digits every day now. More people die of rare tropical illnesses in the UK now than, than die from coronavirus. That's a fact. So it's not the problem, the problem, mate. It's not that you breach guidelines. No one's following the guidelines. Certainly no one in government is. You, you know, we, we know that. The, the problem is that you cheated using taxpayers' dollars to hire your mistress. You cheated on your wife. And that you had, I mean, first of all, I thought this was a, an emergency and you were busy. You hired your mistress so you could, what was the word, snog at the office? That's that British term. You're, you're not busy. You don't, you're, you're not an emergency going on. But, but uh, besides being disloyal to his wife and children, and I understand that he's now decided, and, and he's a homewrecker too because she, she's married as well. Um, it's that he was scolding other people, shaming other people, condemning other people for those guidelines while he himself was breaking them. It's not that he broke the guidelines. It's that he would break the guidelines and the next minute when he's wiping himself off and making sure there's no lipstick on his collar, he's scolding other people for breaking the guidelines. What an immoral man. And I'm not even talking about his, his breaching his, his faith with his wife. Like, there, there's no center there. There's nothing in him. What a, what a disgrace. Matt Hancock. The worst. The absolute worst. Um, do we have any news from uh, out west? Uh, and where do you see that? It's from Twitter. Let's just catch up on Sheila's Twitter feed. <clears throat> so I'm scrolling down a bit here. Jermaine is ready to rule. He says counsel will receive written reasons for his judgment by noon tomorrow. Jermaine first thanks the lawyers, calls them capable, confident, and courteous. 
Jermaine once again calls the submissions of our lawyers, both written and oral, superb. Well, that's good to know. You know, we're crowdfunding a lot of lawyers out there. I think they're good, but maybe I'm bamboozled. I mean, a lawyer wants to get paid, right? But if a judge says they're superb, that's very encouraging. Jermaine is now laying out the history of the so-called coronavirus third wave. Pavlovsky's and Scott openly defied the efforts of Alberta Health Services to control the third wave. The Gates order required an on-demand viewing of Pastor Pavlovsky's church services. The Rook order restrained Chris Scott and unnamed Jane and John Doe's from holding a protest. Jermaine says Scott incited the crowd that protested the whistle stop to defy the Rook order and gather. Judge summarizes Miller's arguments. Miller is Sarah Miller, one of our lawyers. That he wasn't given enough time to understand and respond to the Gates order, that the Rook order didn't apply to him or to religious services. Judge summarizes Williamson's argument. That's Chad Williamson, another one of our lawyers who represents Chris Scott and the Whistlestop. But there was an abuse of process by Alberta Health Service getting an ex parte application against Scott when they knew full well Scott had a lawyer and that they knew how to get a hold of the lawyer, and yet Alberta Health Services failed to tell the judge these things. So let me just pause for a second. So the, so the Alberta Health thugs, I'm calling them thugs, because anyone who drag, drags people out of a car into the middle of a highway makes them kneel down with, with guns uh, bristling, that's a thug. I'm sorry, that's a thug. Judge, uh, so the Alberta Health thugs went to court. They didn't tell Arthur or his lawyer about it. They had a secret hearing, and they didn't tell the judge that they didn't tell Arthur's lawyer. So I think Alberta Health lawyers are unethical. In fact, I think they should have a legal complaint filed against them with the um, law society. I mean, that really is sharp practice. The judge calls the arguments put forward by the lawyers representing both Scott and the Pavlovskys excellent. Well, that's good to hear. Again, those are our lawyers. I'm refreshing the screen to see what we see next because it sounds like he's about to say something. Three elements are required for contempt. Number one, the order is clear with the act and the named respondents. So if you're in contempt of court, it has to be clear who it applies to. People who breach it must have actual knowledge of the order. And three, the people who are accused must have meant or intended to breach the order. I know this from my coverage of Tommy Robinson's contempt of court case in the UK. Uh, it's very similar law. So this will be interesting because, uh, yeah, so Justin's going to keep refreshing this. Because in one case, I think they handed an order to, to Arthur, um, Pastor Arthur, and then proceeded against him like 120 seconds later. I don't even think he had a chance to read it. In another case, like you're just having a contempt order against John and Jane Doe. What? That, so you're just like that. I don't even think that. I've never heard of that before. I think Alberta Health Services are thugs. I am after this um, show, and once the court is done, I'm going to talk to our lawyers to see if we should file ethics complaints against the Alberta Health thugs for what they've done here, because I think their conduct is atrocious. Let's see what the judge says first. Maybe the judge disagrees with me, but um, we'll find out. The judge is an interesting character. I don't know him, but he actually used to be a liberal politician, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, so I have no idea where he's coming from on this stuff. Hopefully he's just following the law. Um, boy, oh, there's an update. Let's take a look-see. And this is Sheila live tweeting it. Jermaine, all three, the Pavlovskys and Scott, are guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of contempt of the Rook order. The Pavlovskys are also guilty of contempt of the previous Gates order. So those are two different judges that issued those orders. Art was given just two and a half minutes to understand and comply with the Gates order. So it sounds like uh, the judge is coming down like a hammer on the Pavlovsky brothers and Chris Scott. So I think Alberta is going further and further down the road of abusing these Christian pastors and that brave restaurateur. Uh, I'm very interested to see what happens next. I think that we need to hang this around the necks of the government of Alberta and particular politicians and particular lawyers like a stinking albatross and never let them forget who they are and what they did. Um, I think that, that anyone who is a conservative uh, and believes in limited government, anyone who's a Christian and believes in freedom of conscience, anyone who believes in science and can't quite understand why Walmart, Costco, drug store, cannabis stores, liquor stores, NHL teams are fine, but churches are not. Anyone who's not any of those things, but but thinks it's a disgrace for Canada to be taking a page from communist China, I think that any such person should never allow the disgraced government of Alberta to live this down ever. I just don't think it should ever be forgotten. Let's refresh and see if there's any more updates. It's 12.34. Sheila says, there you have it. The government can get a secret order against you without informing your lawyer that they know about this and they know the lawyer. They can stick the order in your hands or in the case of the Pavlovskys, drop it at your feet in a plastic bag. And if you don't immediately obey, you can go to jail. Huh. Can you imagine Alberta's motto is strong and free? I don't think Alberta has lived up to its motto. Um, now, obviously, the, um, the clients are the clients, but I, um, as the founder of the Fight the Fines Project, now, obviously, our viewers are the ones who, who crowdfund it, but my immediate instinct is to appeal. To appeal for a number of reasons. To appeal because we can't stop fighting as long as there's a chance we have to keep Keep fighting as long as there's a chance. I think also um, to make the government really own this and wear this and not let this fade away, I think we have to appeal this to the Alberta Court of Appeal. And if that loses, I think we have to appeal and seek uh, leave to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada. I think that we have to fight this until the last flicker of hope is snuffed out. Um, so that's what I'll say to both Chris Scott and the Pavlovskys. Um, they are the clients, though, not me, so it'll be their decision, not mine. 
But if the question is, will we fund it, will Flight the Fines fund it, the answer is, of course. I mean, I suppose that's up to our viewers. Um, so let me catch up with some Super Chats. On Rumble, and by the way, Donald Trump, uh, the 45th president of the United States, has, uh, is he 45? Is that he is? Trump is, was he 45? Yeah. Um, he has officially joined Rumble. And last I tried, he had, checked, he had hundreds of thousands of subscribers to his channel right away. So Rumble's getting some more folks joining them. SuperU.net uh, is a Canadian free speech alternative. We're on that system. Odyssey.com. And of course, the censorship channel of YouTube. So on Rumble, Chrissy's Kingdom. Because the health officials were humiliated when Pastor Arthur kicked them out of their church, it was an act of vengeance. Absolutely it was. And they, they said as much in their pleadings. They were really mad that, that Arthur Pawlowski compared them to Gestapo. Yeah, well, then don't be so comparable. Rumble, MVP 9337. There should be international condemnation for what they're doing to Christians in Canada. Yeah, I agree. But hey, how about can we have some national condemnation or some provincial condemnation too? Or just no? Happy chat from History Club World. Do you think anything will actually happen because of this, or is it going to fail? Follow History Club World on Instagram. Um, look, I don't know. I think that the entire establishment has failed during COVID. And I had some hope that judges being somewhat insulated from um, politics could have made the uh, decision to uphold freedom. No other institution in society has done so, certainly not the media, not the governments, and not the opposition parties, not academia, not popular culture, not anything. So here we have a judge, a Liberal Party judge, um, siding with the lockdowns. I think the fact that it's a Christian pastor is very noteworthy because um, it's the one last uh, acceptable bigotry. Um, If I'm counting correctly, there have now been five Christian churches burnt in arson in Canada in the last week, five of them. Not a peep from the prime minister or any premier about that that I have seen. So I think it's just anti-Christian bigotry. So yeah, it's a little bit pitiful. We have to rely on the Josh Hollies of the world to care about uh, religious freedom for Christians in Canada. But there it is. On Rumble, Rich Rich Adio AHS is the is the new law authority in Canada. Yeah, there, you know what, we, we had a, can you go to shameonshandro.com? Shameonshandro, S-H-A-N-D-R-O. We, we rented a Jumbotron truck, which is like a truck with a big uh, digital uh, video billboard on it. And, uh, and we tooled around town, including in front of his office. Can we show some of that truck? Um, especially right outside Tyler Shandro's own office. Let's just show what that looked like a bit. So you can see the truck there. And we tootled around town for a couple of days. We took it to City Hall, I think. We took it to Tyler Shandro. He's the health minister. His office, the security guards, were very brave until we asked them to show their own ID. And then they ran away. They scurried away. They were a little bit afraid. And... Um, I got some private emails from some high-ups in the Conservative Party asking me to stop doing this, and I wrote back a very lengthy email explaining why we would not. Um, I, I should probably publish a version of that letter. I don't want to reveal who reached out to me in confidence, but uh, yeah, we're not stopping. 
Um, so when you get that video, go ahead and play it. I'll read the next uh, Hyperchat History Club World. Do you think there will ever be a fair commission to investigate what the government did? Or will it be a rubber stamp group that fully supports the government? Well, if the government appoints its own inspector, the government will exonerate the government. I think that's pretty clear. And who would they bring in? I mean, what part of society has not bought into the lockdownism? I just listed all the parts that have. Here. So you can see that's outside of Tyler. That's Adam Sos. He's outside. I think that's outside the health minister's constituency office. There's the truck. Oh, that's a police station. Yeah, I can see that there now. Shame on Shandro. Pastor Tim Stevens. Yeah, we should keep. I like that billboard. I think it's higher res in person. It's just the flicker rate when it's at odds with the camera. I think that's what happens. Am I right on that? I've, and there's the cops. I think it's actually a higher resolution than it looks there. It's just, you know, sometimes when you see a TV on a TV, it gets a little flickery like that. Yeah, look at that truck, eh? <laughs> There's downtown. I recognize that sculpture from right downtown um, in Calgary. Yeah, there it is. Driving around. Shameonshandro.com. Yeah, arrest, arresting those kids dad right in front of him here can we hear the volume on that is it possible to get the audio bonus and lead by example instead of uh being above everybody same with the police above the law i'm not into that uh, i think everybody should be treated equally and that's how we should keep going i think they deserve to go to jail like anyone else that doesn't make them god just because they're a pastor yeah. That's about all I have to say. But do you, th do you think the politicians should be getting off scot-free? What do you What do you think the reason is for that? Well, it's because they're in a position of power, and it's very difficult to do anything about them, really. You know, they, they kind of control a lot of the cops and media and all that together, so it obviously makes it a bit difficult. Do you think that there's a double standard where Jason Kenny and Tyler Shandra and these guys can party at the Sky Palace and Christians are being thrown in jail for gathering for worship? It's it's very obvious if you put it in my perspective because it makes so much sense, right? Like this guy's out here partying, having fun, doing things that aren't so holy, but he's arresting the holy ones. Isn't that kind of ironic? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would think anybody that's in charge of investigating or putting anybody else behind bars for anything should probably be looking at his own record first. I mean, he might not be the person they want to put in head of an investigation of other people of any kind, Christian or otherwise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, classify myself as a conservative, but I, I still think that I think that in both in both cases, I think that both people should should be prosecuted. The government needs to, um, you know, be held accountable just as much as as the pastors have been. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, for any reason that, you know, a, a pastor should be uh, prosecuted because they're a pastor. It's more because they, you know, broke the law. Just as, as Shando should be and Kenny, all of them, you know, if you break the law, you should face the consequences of that, you know. So, 
We're in Englewood, Calgary, and this is sort of one of the liberal hearts of this great uh, city. We've had quite a few people tell us that they're simply not fans of Rebel News. Shockingly, when we were over at the police station, they were fans of Rebel News. That's not the take we're appreciating. But a few people we've talked to uh, have sort of agreed that Tyler Shandro has overstepped, certainly. Other people, though, they simply say that they hate us and they keep on moving. Notice you guys filming. Do you care to share any commentary on these pastors being arrested by Tyler Shandro? They should have gotten arrested. Oh, okay. Do you mind sharing why? talk to you actually i'm not a big fan of rebel media oh. so i'm just gonna can we ask why or oh no. um, okay sure have a nice day nothing good i don't make good of any of this stuff uh i don't think I adam's doing a really good job there um i'm really glad we you know what and we you can see that we're raising money for that at shame on shandrew.com looks like we've raised thirteen thousand dollars um the, that truck costs about two grand a day um, and we had it for a few days and we're going to use it at the stampede for a few days. So really, if you like that truck, um, every two grand we get plus tax. So let's say 2,500, it's actually 2,250 a day, if you want to be precise. So 4,500 bucks for two days is what it is. Um, so we now have enough for almost, um, four more days. And I'd like to keep that truck going. I'd like to bring that truck up to Edmonton, maybe. Um, or maybe keep it in Calgary. I don't know. So if you want to support that truck, I like that truck. If you do too, go to shameonshandry.com and chip in because it's about uh, just over two grand a day. I'm back on Sheila's uh, Twitter feed. So um, all three of our clients were convicted of contempt of court. Convicted is the wrong word because it's not a criminal offense, I don't think. Found in contempt of court, I think, is the word. I don't think it was a criminal contempt. I think it's civil contempt. Court will hear arguments on sanctions for the Pavlovskis and Scott on the afternoon of July 27th. That means that the court will talk about what punishments they get that day. However, Scott and Williamson are headed to the Court of Appeal fighting the original order against them, so this isn't close to over yet. You can donate at fightthefines.com. Okay, that's good. Uh, I was telling you that I wanted to appeal. It sounds like that's already happening. Maybe I knew that. We have so many cases going on. Will you forgive me if I don't remember the details of all of them? Um, <clears throat> let's keep reading. Judge is asking Alberta Health Services to outline in writing if they are seeking a period of imprisonment as a sanction against Scott and Pavlovskis. These men were locked up for three and two days respectively, and yet this sickening government could ask for more. Could you imagine asking for more jail time? And that little bigot, Tyler Shandro, will probably say yes. I wonder if there's any grown-ups in the conservative government who will say, guys, asking for more jail time is an international disaster. I don't want any of those men to go to jail again or in the first place. But there's, a, there's an old Leninist saying, and I'm not a Leninist, and I don't believe in this saying. There's something that the communists say. So the Trotskyites, probably Leninists. I don't say this, but this is a, they say this. Have you ever heard the saying, the worse, the better? Have you ever heard that saying, the worse, the better? I, th 
Yeah, you know what? I, um, Nikolay Gavrilovich Chernyshevsky was a Russian literary and social credit journalist, novelist, Democrat, and socialist philosopher, often identified as a utopian socialist, and leading theoretician of Russian nihilism. He was the dominant intellectual figure in the 1860s revolutionary democratic movement in Russia. Despite, despite spending much of his later life in exile to Siberia, and was later highly praised by Karl Marx, Georgi Plekhanov, and Vladimir Lenin. Let me just read one more line, okay? I'm not trying to bore you. Chernyshev, I'm reading from Wikipedia, so take it with a grain of salt. Chernyshevsky's ideas were heavily influenced by blah, blah, blah. He saw class struggle as the means of society's forward movement and advocated for the interests of the working people. In his view, the masses were the chief maker of history. He is reputed to have used the phrase, the worse the better, to indicate, and this is where I disagree, to indicate that the worse the social conditions become for the poor, the more inclined they would be to launch a revolution. Though he did not originate the phrase which predates his birth, for example, in an 1814 letter, John Adams used it when discussing the lead-up to the American Revolution. There are those arguing, in the words of Professor Joseph Frank, that Chernyshevsky's novel, What is to be Done, far more than Marx's Das Kapital, supplied the emotional dynamic that eventually went to make the Russian Revolution. Now, you can debate the morality of the worse, the better. I think it's immoral. I think you never want to make things worse on purpose. It's almost like the, the Socratic, sorry, uh, Socrates, uh, sorry, pardon me, the Hippocratic Oath. I'm confusing my Greeks. The Hippocratic Oath, that's the doctor's oath. Do you know what the doctor's oath is? Very simple. Do no harm. You ever heard of that? Do no harm. Because in medicine, you're interfering with the body there's so many things you could get wrong. That's Do no harm is absolutely being abandoned in the face of these vaccines and lockdowns. They're doing harm every day. I believe in do no harm as a political statement as well. Don't smash something if you don't know how to rebuild it. The Leninists take a different point of view. They say the worse the better. Make things so awful that you make the contradictions even more strike, you, stark, you cause the crisis. If things are terrible, you'll have a rebellion. Well, yeah, but isn't the whole point to live in a world that's not terrible? The Leninists would argue, unlock the power of the proletariat by making things worse. I do not take that point of view. But if, but if I were a Leninist, I would say, the worse the better here. If the thugs at the Alberta Health Service and the cabinet and the government of Alberta wants to put Arthur Pavlovsky in prison again and Chris Scott in prison and David Pavlovsky in prison again, <laughs> you want to do that? You really want to do that? Holy moly. Will that make things worse? Will that make things worse politically for them? I don't want that to happen. I don't want them to go back to jail. But if I were a Leninist, I sure would.
Just a couple more. Sheila tweets, Williamson and Scott are back in court Wednesday in front of the appeals court, arguing the ex-party rook order was procedurally flawed. So this situation could change if the order is tossed because it was obtained in the sleaziest and sneakiest of ways. Sheila ends by saying, and that's a wrap. Adam Sosa and I will be filming respective video updates about the cases today. To help offset the legal costs to fight for religious and entrepreneurial freedom, you can do- donate two ways. SaveArthur.com or FightTheFinds.com. Thanks, everyone. All right. Well, really good coverage by Sheila. I appreciate her doing that. Uh, let's read some Super Chats. Super You, Hammers Girl 88 must appeal, cannot give up. I agree with you. As you can see, uh, Chris Scott is already appealing, and that's coming up very soon. So uh, I'm, I'm glad. I probably, I think, I think our whole team knows we always fight to the end, right? So um, I don't think I need to, to call and tell the lawyers that. So I will, but it sounds like that's in hand. On Rumble, Chrissy's Kingdom, conservative leaders need to learn to do something. Almost two years, none of them have helped. Oh, exactly right. Exactly right. Hyperchat, Agatha, or Agatha. I love the Jumbotron truck and think we should keep it going with different messages, better than a billboard. Yeah, I like it for two reasons. First of all, you can have a, like it's got sound and and moving pictures, so it's powerful. And you can move it anywhere you want. Tyler Shandro's riding. Um, Office. Police department. City hall. We have a static billboard on Highway 2 in Alberta between Calgary and Edmonton. And that's great. It gets a gazillion views a month. But uh, I like the mobile digital Jumbotron trucks. Hyperchat One Library from Mimi J. Thank you. Agatha, uh, Agatha again, next Jumbotron truck should shame Calgary Mayor Nahid Nancy and the Calgary Police Services. Yeah, I don't think they know shame. I don't think they can be shamed. Hyperchat History Club World Rebel should buy a bunch of these Jumbotron trucks and have them drive around every city in Canada. Shame on Chandro and other people in Alberta. Shame on Ford in Ontario. Follow History World. Um, we could buy a truck. Those trucks are probably, what do you think they are, like 50 grand a truck? Yeah, like it's expensive. Um, they'd be, yeah, and the driver and the gas. And, you know, it's more than 50 grand. What am I saying? Like a, like, like a big SUV is 50 grand these days, right? To get that truck with that. And you need the power plant. Like that thing takes power. I don't know how that's powered. Is that it? runs off the gas engine. You like there's a lot of electricity. But but you need the driver. And by the way, well yeah, and, and you gotta move it around. So we've used Jumbotron trucks in a great number of cities, and it's my experience that you don't want to own that. Be and because you don't know what city you like we've even had one um, in uh, Florida. We even had one. We had one in, in London, England. So like, you don't know where you're going to need one. So if you actually bought a Jumbotron truck and kept it in Calgary or Toronto, great. But what if you needed halfway around the world or even halfway around the province? So I think it's, you know, I've, I have friends who've bought a vacation home somewhere. You know, in Toronto, a lot of people, they buy a little getaway at the lake. And I get it. But that sort of locks you into going to that lake every single time. Which is fine if that's your family tradition. But let's say you want to change the pace. You want to go somewhere else. I think it's the same thing with a Jumbotron truck. You buy a Jumbotron truck, okay, well, you'd better use it a lot in Toronto or wherever you have it, but it sort of precludes you from going other places. Anyways, I don't know if that metaphor works. Um, 
Super U tip. Annalisa tipped 20 bucks. Thank you very much. That's nice of you. Just sending Rebel a big hug and lots of love. I appreciate that. On Rumble, TS868191, we will find a way to get Rebel News after Bill 36. We're really focused on that. Go to stopc36.com. Stop, and then the letter C, 36.com. Boy, look at that, 18,549 signatures. I think we only set that up, what, on Friday or something? Thursday night, remember? I can't, maybe? I can't remember. That's a fair number of signatures. People are worried as well they should be. I won't get into that bill again right now, but it's a, it's a censorship bill. It's the second censorship bill introduced by the Liberals in the month. What's so crazy about it, it has secret complainants and secret witnesses. Someone can make a complaint against you and you will never know who it is. Someone can give evidence against you and you can never know who it is. So if it's an ex-wife, ex-husband, ex-girlfriend, ex-employee, ex-boss, ex-neighbor, someone, who, ex-business partner, someone with a grudge, someone, you know, getting even with you, a, a competitor, you know, secret. I have never heard of that. I've heard of people testifying, but then entering into a witness protection program. I, I've heard of that, and that makes sense. But you have the right to face your accuser. In fact, you know, I, was, uh, I watched The Godfather last month again, and I think it was like in the second um, movie, maybe it was the first one, they were testifying against The Godfather, Michael Corleone. And... Um, they brought the capo in to testify. This was in front of a congressional hearing. Michael Corleone, the bad guy, but he had the right to look at who was making the accusation, to say what he had to say. Now, in that case, he threatened the guy. But um, So maybe the example isn't perfect, but you, if someone is, a lot of, a lot of uh, witnesses have come with dirty hands themselves. They have a, maybe they're hiding something themselves. Maybe they have, have culpability themselves. Even when you prosecute the mafia, you have to do so in your own name. You can hide afterwards, but you can't hide when you're on the witness stand. Have you ever heard of that before? A secret witness? Secret! That's Bill C-36. My metaphors are not doing very well today. The cottage metaphor and the... Yeah, but... But secret from everybody. Literally secret from everybody. Yeah, kids. Kids' names are kept. There's a publication ban on kids' names. And occasionally, there's a victim that's publication ban. But a party? A complainant? No. No, it's not from, not from the defendant. Not from the suspect, not from the person whose life hangs in the balance. History Club World, you should make a documentary about the Barbecue Rebellion and all the other Canadian actions against COVID lockdowns. A good 10-part documentary with interviews with cops, politicians, maybe bureaucrats. Yeah, I don't think uh, cops, politicians, or bureaucrats would talk to us, do you? Rumble, joyful art from the heart. Think about it. They don't need anyone to complain. The government would be the complainer. It's a dictatorship. Well, that's a great point. I mean, I showed you 
about a month ago that uh, a lobby group called the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, what a ironic name that is, received a quarter million dollar grant from Stephen Gilbo to file complaints against the enemies of the Liberals. So, you know, that's already in hand. All right. Well, that hour certainly went by quickly. You know, I just want to leave you with a palate cleanser. Um, there's a congressman named Mo Brooks, and he was accosted by uh, Jim Acosta of CNN. And it's just a, it's just a little exchange. I, I liked it. Take a look at this. I take the bike to work, huh? Sometimes. Congressman, is there any way we can get you to talk about January 6th? I do not do interviews with CNN because I do not trust CNN to be honorable or truthful. Well, can I ask you, do you still believe I've Antifa already, was behind I've January 6th? I've already said 6th? what I'm going to say. I don't trust you all to be truthful or honest. Well, can you tell us if you regret what you said on January 6th? I do 6th? not trust CNN to be truthful or honest, so I do not. Well, I'm just asking you CNN. questions. I'm asking you fair questions here, sir. Why can't you answer the question? I do not trust y'all to be truthful or honest what? with anything it's CNN on, does. It's on video. If you can just talk to us for a moment. Oh, you guys will lie through your teeth any chance you get. Well, give me the chance to come on if you don't mind. You know, there's a lot I like there. Um... But the one thing that surprises me, it looks like a really nice day in Washington, D.C. You saw the police cop, um, the, the, the bike cop nearby, which I was glad to see. Um, that's a Republican, Mo Brooks is his name. He's actually riding a bicycle. Looks like a nice, I bet his apartment is really close by. Like a lot of politicians, obviously they live in their home district and they have like a condo or an apartment in the capital, probably as close to work as possible. I suppose some of them are in a hotel, but if you're there for a while, you may as well buy a rent. So he probably just bikes a few blocks. I don't, I've never heard that Mo Brooks boast about biking. You only hear left-wing politicians boasting about biking, but they don't actually bike, right? Like um, <clears throat> Pete Buttigieg, the transport secretary, he brings a limo takes the bike out of the trunk and bikes the last few blocks. Jack Layton did that in Canada. Catherine McKenna, who announced her resignation this morning, does the same thing. She parks a bike there, but she has a limo. Um, this is the first politician I've seen who actually really bikes, and not just for show. We only saw the bike because Jim Acosta of CNN was sort of, uh, hassling him. Anyway, I thought that was sort of funny. Um... All right. Well, I uh, I should go because it's 102 Eastern time and there's a lot going on. I got a lot of work I got to do, but it's a pleasure being with you. Thanks for joining us on the various platforms, Rumble, Super U, Odyssey, and uh, YouTube. And uh, thanks to Sheila for live tweeting the hearings out west. I look forward to Sheila and to Adam working on that. And um, I'll see you tonight at my 8 p.m. show. I'll see you later. Do we have a dog video? We do. Take a look.